0: I feel like I'm going to be, like, everyone's going to Gen Con. Damn it. Like, yeah. like, everybody's going to that one before, like, the world shuts back down again. And I'm, yeah. like, dreading what's going to happen to Origins at this point. Like, hardly anybody's going to that one.
1: What do you mean, hardly anybody's going to that one? Well... I, feel like, I mean,
0: you two jabronis are going to be there, but, I mean, like, like whoopee, whoa. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> true. But that's what you get I, for putting that stupid dwarf picture up there.
2: <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a bay of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach and the host joining me this evening are John Christian, the Dwarven DM, and Master Troy Sandlin.
0: Lollyho.
1: Of course, lolly would have to go with that picture. <laughs> <laughs> it, it needs to be what a little more. What did you
0: expect, f- man? Lolly <laughs> like, like, it's either that or it's like the the lollipop guild from uh, <laughs> from, from from. We the represent
2: the lollipop guild. The lollipop guild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for those listening at home, John is.
0: Cameraless again. Yet
1: again. How professional. Uh, uh, mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you, Logitech. Hey, you know what, actually? Logitech is sending me a new one. So good for Mm -hmm. them. Good for them. Appreciate that. Thanks, Logitech. Not sponsored, by the way, but we are ready. Yes. So (laughs) I feel like
2: it's a net wash when we say that your brand new camera broke through no fault of your own, but they're sending Mm -hmm. you a new one. That's a net wash. We're not we're not promoting them at all. We're just saying you fix the thing of yours that broke after <laughs> two true.
0: weeks. You know that thing, you yeah, exactly. It. You know I've had this thing for like a less than a year, right? That thing that just decided to stop yeah. working altogether. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. We'll allow it.
1: Could, it. it could not handle the uh, the rigors uh, that uh, bite size gaming. Well, it, tried
0: it, it tried its best to polish a turd whenever it was looking at me and it just gave out. So <laughs> and, now, and
1: and thus you get the picture that you see before you know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> <This is> the, <laughs> the, the, the grumpiest upgrade.
2: of 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 disgruntled dwarves is what Troy has selected for John's picture today. Yep. a placeholder image. Um now I should have done this before, but I guess we'll we'll reference the greatest podcast that was, is, and ever will be Penny Arcade and say, Troy, are we recording?
1: We are. Wait, let okay. me check. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yes we are. Yes. Thank Morden's beard. <laughs> let, me uh,
1: let me check again just to make sure. Yes, yes we are. Yes. Great. Wonderful.
2: Uh, Craig says that he has us up on his big 4K TV, which I feel
1: like that's that's ballsy,
0: right?
2: <laughs> yeah, pours. like wars. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, oh, uh, Troy I, hasn't I, done I, his nightly cleaning regimen yet. Oh, <laughs> well, boy,
2: I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, that high resolution in real life. No. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it would look in a four.
0: Yeah, I need. I need a nice soft Gaussian blur on uh, on my feed, so that it uh, kind of like the, I need a, a good filter on mine. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. Fair enough. That I think.
1: A, I think. A, I think a good filter would go well with the, with the podcast as a whole.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we're going oh, downhill already. We pull are. up. Pull up. <laughs>
1: it's too late. <laughs>
2: Well, hey, uh, we are returning, as Troy said in the pre-show, to a bygone era, uh, in this one of few remaining season two episodes, we are giving you a taste of what is to come in season three. Not a true taste, but a hint of a taste, uh, with the new format, which is our old format, Mm -hmm. um, we're going to be reducing the size of the news segments, um, at least kind of sorta. Of. Uh, more to come on that later, but Not for right yet. now, but for right now, they are slightly smaller. Um, so we'll see how that goes tonight. Hopefully, it results in a slightly shorter episode, but we'll see. Um, Who knows. Still going to do our topic afterwards, uh, so basically it's the same thing, just hopefully a little bit more condensed in the news, and we'll talk about that more in a week or two.
1: Yes, indeed. All right. Rick, uh, I, Craig wants to know if we're reducing the quality. I don't know that we can get much lower.
2: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: Well, well, okay. I mean, to be honest. It depends
2: on what you consider quality. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
1: If, if you're wanting polish or um, well-rounded. Or all three hosts having an actual working camera.
2: Oh prepared, my god, here it is again. These things are not going to get better. If what you're looking for is authenticity. Um additional authenticity. <laughs> a little a little
1: extra authenticity? Mm-hmm. A little, zhuzh, a zhuzh, a little zhuzh of authenticity.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> then we're here to serve you with the highest of quality. Um mm. It may be one
1: ingredient, but we do that ingredient really well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean and by really well we just you know we take the lid off of the parmesan cheese shaker and just dump <laughs> <laughs> yep fair enough
0: pray for the best
1: pray for the best expect the worst
0: <laughs> oh yes oh yes uh, oh, uh, shall we do some news, fellas? Let's do some news. Yeah, news. we we, we,
1: yeah. we swore to
2: do a shorter news segment. Let's do mm-hmm, this thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so here we go. Um today we have three three news articles to bring to you. Um Troy, why don't yeah. you take us away with your with your choice?
1: Okay. <clears throat> well, I believe you said that the second one was the one that you were thinking about doing. I would love to, but it's... Okay. You, yeah. Well, following in the footsteps of Marvel and Star Wars... <clears throat> oh, <excuse> D&D... <throat> <laughs> easy. Go ahead. D&D steps into the uh, canonical wars, so to speak. Mm. Uh, they have declared that anything before 2014 is non-canon in the D&D multiverse.
0: Or at least up for debate, up or for up debate. to their interpretation. Yeah, if or they wish to make it canon we'll later, see, yeah.
1: they can. Uh, the only things that are truly canon are in the rule books themselves.
0: Okay, so now let's be clear on their statement because right? I think the way that they write things out is pretty, okay. pretty specific. Well, I, I will I will read they, that. They, well, I think the thing that I'm sticking to is it says, uh, if you're looking for what's official in the D&D role-playing game, it is what mm-hmm. appears in the products for the role-playing game. Yep. Stuff that's in the role-playing game, books, that's canon. Anything outside of that, they There's will no pick and choose and cherry-pick however they mm-hmm. want to and say that it is. Uh, and I think that kind of, that tracks with what I we'd seen with uh, the ra- the latest Ravenloft book, where a lot of the domains kind of mm-hmm. saw some, a lot of tweaking. And there were a couple yep. of times in there where I'm reading it, I'm like, did they, do they know anything about the existing canon for some of this stuff? Pro- they probably did, or just didn't care, maybe? And they were just looking well, for... Well, a- no, yeah. it's just,
1: it has nothing to do with not caring. It's, it's you know, 2021, sensibilities have changed.
0: No, no, I get that for sure. And
1: so they have to they have to, you know, do the do the changing and instead of sitting there d- debating with people on, well, this, you know, person in this book from, you know, whenever 20 years ago was a was a dude and mm-hmm. now you made him a woman, that's not cool. It's like, well, then stick with your book from 1984 mm-hmm. and leave it be. But now going forward in fifth edition canon is from 2014 on and to me there's nothing wrong with that
0: well 2014 and what's in the books and not in not because they're like a bajillion novels right even the stuff that's oh, in yeah. the novels today right they're saying the stuff that's not being canon. written in parallel is not considered canon if for the role-playing game until it shows up in a source book
1: right and 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 i agree mm. with that too because that I remember many, many arguments back in the day with a couple people in our gaming group that would argue with the Dungeon Master. Well, that's not the way it happened or whatever in this book. It's like, so? This is my game. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to happen. Mm. And it's like, this is necessary to alleviate that. You can argue what's in the book all the live long day has no bearing on my campaign unless i want it to mm-hmm. and this it's is a- them giving that permission in that that final stamp
2: it's a li- it what it it gets a little bit it gives a little bit of insight into why we're not seeing a bunch of D&D novels mm-hmm. i think right um, because if you were going to put out a D;D novel but say yeah but it's not canon that's a little bit tricky and if you're going to put out a D&D novel and say, oh, it is canon, that's a little bit tricky. Um, also, it seems to me like we could assume that the Dritz novels that are coming out right now are not canon. Correct. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting, right? Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of Dritz fans who are not excited about hearing that their beloved franchise series is, you know,
1: subpar. Well, technically speaking... You know, the, there are things in that that will be canon. Yeah, there are the, the, things within it, but the... Um, the, the new the new uh, drow subcultures yeah. are, are going to be canon. Uh, I think Drist has been... Drist is canonized, I believe. Dr- he's, Dr- in, uh, yeah. he's
2: certainly canonized. He's certainly canonized.
1: Yeah, Jarlaxel's canonized, you know, all that stuff. But the actual happenings in the books themselves... Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it, Star Wars is a great... Example for this, mm-hmm. right? You know, they got I'm to sorry. they got sorry, to try trash toss out all the legacy, quote unquote, legacy novels, um, and say that only certain things were canon. But then they go back and cherry pick what they liked from legacy yeah. to bring
0: back. Um, so the same things Happened here, right? Yeah. Um,
2: cool. Well, there, so look,
0: I am in the. I it's one of those things where I have my own little niche that I'm protective of, um, right? I think we all know what that is. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the books that are coming out in 2022 and how that dovetails, if at all, with the campaign Okay, scene.
1: so let me just ask you this. Uh-huh. What does it matter?
0: Well, that's what I was about to get to, right, is that I know for myself whenever I, when I run a Dragonlance campaign, I agonize over oh man where were the companions at this point in the story and what was this that was going on over here because I'm trying to keep it true to the books. That's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Really exhausting. It would be nice to be able to have the freedom to say look man this is the way that it is in my game. If you don't like it, boo, find another table. That's cool. But and I think that another way to look at it too is outside of just like the freedom that it it gives presents to the the DM to be able to just kind of tell their own story. Uh, yeah, outside from that, it's like you look at it from like alternate tellings, right? I look at it yeah. from like uh, DC's Elseworld titles where there are maybe two different timelines or parallel D&Ds that are running. Where there's well, the, D- the novels. About, I don't know. Like in order to okay, kind of reconcile okay. it to let's,
1: myself. Let's use it actually a, a successful franchise. It's more like the Marvel multiverse.
0: Other <laughs> well, six one-way, half a dozen another, but that's fine. That's fine.
1: Right. Well, other than the fact that... One is actually second. doing well, and the other, everything they put out is I'm, you're
0: not going to get an garbage. argument from me, man. I'm not but, defending. Yeah, I'm not defending the DC universe,
1: but I mean, is, is it, it, this to me? This dovetails with the the Loki Disney Plus show that sure. just finished not too long ago. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but what's in the books is just one telling of what could have happened.
0: Yep. See, my my immediate clench reaction is to be defensive, but I've thought about it since this first came out. Okay, uh, I first heard word about this, and honestly, it, it kind of what we've already said is that my table I get to interpret it however I want to, and my mm-hmm. players can either like it, not like it, play something else, or you know, honestly, I'm not gonna I'm not that kind of DM where it's like my way or the highway. So I I like having the the feedback from my players, and uh, and kind of like tailoring the the campaign a bit to it uh, to their sensibilities. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it also this can introduce surprises. You know, if you run a War of the Lance campaign, and I ran it, and the the infellows or the heroes of the Lance, some of them died, and so Mm -hmm. you're going to have to take up the slack and pull on the mantle of being the new, the new Sturm or the new Lorana or Tass or whatever. There's a lot that you can do with that. And I think that a lot of people get stuck in their stuck in their. um, It it doesn't
1: yeah. It doesn't ruin your enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't invalidate anything. Yeah, the books are still the books. Yeah, there's a lot of the Star Wars novels that I read and I and I loved. They're no longer canon, officially. In my head, still canon. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. Well,
0: and I mean, like who like it doesn't matter what the whatever the books say anyway, right? That's D and D is you get to customize it however you want to, and if you want to do it exactly like the books, or if you want to do like the DL one through sixteen. Modules exactly to the letter, then you run that game. However, it makes you happy, whatever makes you and your players, yeah. you know, happy and have a great time.
1: And honestly, so. come on now, how many of the old school people that played like Baldur's Gate one didn't kill Drist and took take his stuff? Um, you know, that's kind of I did. I was a
0: goody two shoes in every game that I played. It was ridiculous.
1: Well, that's fair. So was I, but I, just, I was trying to be edgy. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Jerk. You're
0: welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, now,
1: now this. Now, I, I know we said shorter news, but it's not going to happen. Um, this to me begs a question because we really don't know what these new Dragonlance novels are going to be about. Correct? Uh,
0: yeah, they said specifically like some things kind of like allude to they referring to it as Dragonlance classic. Yeah, They're talking like Capstone. Like it was one of the things like like the culmination of their life's work kind of thing. I almost feel like if I were a betting man, that they, like first of all, they're going to have, they've already said they're going to have old characters back in it. So the original right. heroes of the Lance will be back in there in some capacity. I, from that, I don't know who knows what's going to happen. So time travel shenanigans. I don't know.
1: So what happens if they basically just read, I mean, I don't think they're going to reboot. Yeah. Do a mm-hmm. reboot and redo the whole war of the Lance over again.
0: Oh, you people will freak out. I won't because it'll be I'll be interested to see what as long as Weiss and Hickman are the ones that are writing it. I'm willing to give it a shot just because they're kind of the they were the captains of the ship in the first place.
1: As long as it doesn't turn out like the new masters of the universe show, it'll be awesome.
0: Oh god. Okay. Yeah, I <laughs> made the mistake. I actually did watch the first episode Troy. I'm guy, sorry, man. I, with I, Ga- I tried with Gabriel. I warned and he you. was
1: Super pissed. I I warned you, man.
0: I tried. (laughs) And I watched it with my my daughter, my oldest daughter. She was Uh. equally excited about watching He-Man, because we would watch that on Saturday mornings together. The the 2000s He-Mans that came came out not too long ago. Anyway, yeah, so.
1: Well, here.
2: This is a perfect segue, because we're just talking about reboots. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Girk, you're wrong, but we'll leave it at that. I mean, come um, on! They dropped the nope. moon on on him
1: to kill. That's him. A, That's the best way to kill death. Chewie ever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. You don't get any better than that. What do you want him to do? Like fade into the sunset? You want him to? You want him to just turn invisible on you a went, bunk bed? Right? Yeah. Like nobody wants <laughs> that for
0: on a bunk bed. Uh, that to me is like a gross oversimplification, <laughs> uh, on on par with my oldest saying she watched Les Rob and said, "Oh my god." I watched that movie and it was a guy stole a piece of bread and they sang about it for two hours.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was an epic piece of bread.
0: Oh my God. Right.
1: (laughs) I laughed so hard. That's freaking
2: awesome. Uh, Well here, let's uh, okay. I'll, sorry. I'll segue this sucker. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of reboots, this is really interesting. So Critical Role, their publishing arm, Darrington Press is reprinting their Taldore campaign setting book as Taldore Reborn. It's expanded, double the size, 280 pages, uh, extending the ta- timeline by 25 years. They're throwing in nine new subclasses, five new backgrounds, new magic items, new creatures um it's got character sheets for all the members of vox machina um we knew that something was coming right yeah right we knew when when green ronin lost their license print license and they took all the book they took the book off their website i mean just non-existent we knew that somebody was getting that, and I think I, I think we talked about that a little bit and wondered if maybe it was either going to be Darrington or it was going to be Wizard of the Coast swooping yeah. in and doing another book for him. Um, I was not expecting a full
0: revamp and this much content. No mm. kidding. Yeah. So uh, really quick, so the, the, it's double the size. I didn't realize. Uh, I don't have the first book but i didn't realize that the first book was only 140 pages long
2: yeah it's only like skag right the sword coast mm. adventures got back when those books came out like setting guides were really short and sweet mm. um mice but but yeah it's it's very much expanded interesting. now interesting
0: well more I mean, more can be better right mm-hmm. if they're gonna yeah, as, as long as it's not just a, a simple reprint and slap on a new a new cover then what it like I noticed- it's gonna get it's gonna get the polish that it that people are gonna be kinda looking for. Hopefully the it's- we'll see what the what the uh the critters think about. Well it.
1: and the cool thing is uh, you know, the artwork I think they're pulling from the community like they did for the uh Wildmount book.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah, okay.
1: And you know, critters there are some fine, fine artists amongst the critter nation. Mm-hmm. What I thought
2: was cool is that we're getting some of the subclasses that they've touted in the campaign itself. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a new monk subclass that they've talked about, the Cobalt Soul Monk, which has been there all through Campaign Two, and it seems like a really cool subclass. Um, and now we're gonna get we're gonna get that. So I'm excited um, because I think they put out quality stuff secretly i'm a little bit disappointed that through their own publishing arm and not through WotC, only because i would have loved to have had this on dnd beyond
1: mm-hmm. yes very much so well so,
0: so they go into a little bit of detail and some there's some bullet points here too that it's interesting to see what all they're adding right so like over a hundred new illustrations and maps that's boss mm-hmm. a dozen new mag- magic items four new sub subclasses uh, up- updated subclasses for play in Z- uh, Exandria and beyond, dozens of new creatures and adversaries amounting to 18 new stat blocks. All of the members of Vox Machina have been given full stat blocks as well. Uh, let's see, and then oodles of updated lore and setting information. It's uh, also going to be a Including deluxe... information about who sits on the Tal'Darais Council. And they,
1: the, the cast has been asking that all for, the way for, through. Yeah, that's a... Uh, um, campaign so too, that's, because... That's, that's a, yeah. It's an Easter egg, yeah. Supposedly some of the... Initial characters. Initial from... characters have made it to the taldurai Council.
0: Yeah. You know, I think I could probably do, at least in some capacity, critical role, if I could just get, like, the four hours compressed into a five-minute blurb. <laughs> That's about all I could probably manage. But I, I, I don't could, know that I, we could do a five-minute, nice. but but... Like, I think there's... Last time on Critical Role, that kind of... Like, that's all I'm really oh, am looking
2: for. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, oh, five minutes per well, episode. Well,
1: gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Uh, yeah, Danny yeah, does yeah. a recap. She does yeah, a recap right up
2: In but the style
1: of, like, an Ack,
2: uh animated recap would be perfect.
1: Oh, that would be, that would be
2: cool. Yes. Yes, that would be... Well, you're going to get your chance, John,
0: with the animated series coming to Amazon, right? Like, uh, oh, yeah, Right, and sure, I am... Sure. As a, as one of the, I guess apparently the the only of the three of us that is meh about Critical Role, uh, I am still going to give that a shot. Yeah, A solid shot. I am looking. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm going go on a limb and say I'm looking forward to the animated series. Ooh. I really am. Right. I mean,
1: okay, that is a that's a possible. Would that be a possible uh, topic that anybody would want to listen to? Is the three of us discuss what? our likes and dislikes of Critical Role are?
0: I think that I think, people would stop watching the show if I started giving you know, dislikes about it You know Critical what we Role, should do?
2: Honestly. we. You know what we should do is... Um, <laughs> nobody wants this, all right? But we should do <laughs> nobody a wants this. Critical Role episode one or some big episode, you know, a meaningful episode commentary track.
1: Like, like MST3K MST style?
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, like you and would and just oh, audio and video. Am I going to be video? like the grump of the three And you three would just ambiences? play it when you're watching <laughs> the video, right? You'd hit play at the same time.
0: uh uh-huh.
2: And it'd be like... So well, we're riff tracking. Yeah. We probably want to... It. It. Let's,
0: let's record that off air. Let's let's not do a Twitch stream for that one because I have a feeling that what I don't want to happen is me just making fart noises the entire time. <laughs> 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 that I'm watching it. <laughs> Uh, oh, no, that might. Be I have I have one specific reason why I don't watch Critical Role though, and yeah. that will not be a problem watching the show though. So I actually do think you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind yeah, of excited about. We're going to give
2: that. it a go, right? Um, yeah. Here's the other thing that I think is interesting about this: no PDF at launch, only the book. The only yeah. way to get the uh, the only way to get the PDF is to buy the hardcover.
0: Oh, they're going old that, school. That
2: that is. Not gonna make a lot of people happy.
1: Well, I mean, they didn't get a PDF with uh, Wildmount unless you bought it through D and D Beyond. So no, that's very true. That's very true. But
2: D and D Beyond is everybody's substitute for a PDF, right? True. Very true. So, um, I that's man, that's very interesting. I'm somewhat nervous for them, but we'll see.
1: I mean, I'll buy it. I've, I've got the original. I will buy show. it. Yeah. yeah. I'll,
0: buy, I'll buy it. Yeah. I will look at it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's I got, like honestly, uh, the original book has an awesome way to do uh, resurrection. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. That, well, we've talked about that before, kind of using it as a skill challenge type thing, the way that Mercy... Mm-hmm. Did it at the? Is it the same same yes, vibe yeah,
1: as the way yeah. you did it at the table? But, but oh, it's, I'm, it's I'm, about, now, I'm about this. That's written. Now. And this yeah, I like that. But in, in the uh, the vestiges of divergence um, are in there. Uh, the magic items that uh, were used yeah. in the age before during the war and all that stuff. So and, and it's not just magic items. There's something to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the di- the different things that are in the book that aren't just strictly Taldorei are really cool. It's like, yes, you know, you could use these. It's just, to me, it's just like a Magic the Gathering book. You, you find something, you pull it out, you put it in your campaign. More on that in just a minute with our main topic. Yes. Yes.
2: Uh, all right, then. Let's do this. John, let's do our last news article and then dive into the main topic.
0: You got it. Okay. So, I don't think there's a ton to go over with this one, but we got some... I think it's it's out there. Most people know now at this point that the new Strixhaven book that's dropping um, that they've removed the subclasses that they'd had planned for for wizard, and it was a direct response to some discourse or some uh, some um, unhappiness in the survey results that they got back from the Unearthed Arcana, and yep. so in a knee jerk, surprisingly. It's seemingly knee-jerk know. reaction from Watsy. They they pulled out the the planned subclasses for wizards, and then they were going to plug in TBD or not TBD. They already said that they had other plans. Like and people were f- thinking maybe feats, backgrounds, and backgrounds and or and whatever. Right? they, well, kind of,
1: they are kind of, having yeah. feats though as well.
0: Well, they're, yeah, they're, they'll add more. But Crawford came out. Jeremy Crawford recently came out on the record saying specifically like what we're really kind of replacing it with is x and they said as uh he said excuse me uh as we reflected on our own experience as university students we looked at not only how much excitement there could be what a hot mess college life can be and so looked at the relationships in college i uh and to that end the book has rules for building up relationships with other students which has an impact on the game mechanically and you'll find uh Different personality profiles. They've actually got 18 different NPCs that are spread throughout the five colleges represented, uh, represented, uh, which should be satisfying for like Fire Emblem fans, if there, for any of those, for those out there that are familiar with it. And so when you meet the NPCs, there are different kinds of encounters that they incorporate and they kind of flesh out things like uh, a house party. An improv festival, some kind of competition, like that, effectively, like the Wizard Cup or, or the House Cup or whatever in, in Harry <laughs> Potter, that kind of stuff, right? It's where you can, it gives you a chance to develop friendships, rivalries, and whew, romances, which that one is just looking for a problem that <laughs> the romances thing. But, so, I mean, if they're trying wow. to pull, if they're really trying to, uh, to kind of create like a, a university slash college experience. I mean, okay. Are there if hazing? That's, rules? If that's what this game's gonna, if that's what this book's gonna really end up representing,
1: are there are there gonna be hazing rules for the fraternities and stuff, Whew, buddy? Yeah,
0: that's that's a nano. I would if, say
1: if if not, I say mm. that's our first uh, DM's Guild product when that book drops.
0: Yep, that won't get us in trouble at all either. <laughs> not a bit. Not a. bit. Oh, we,
1: we should I'm we should re- we should do. A Strixhaven adventure animal house.
0: Oh, my God. You beat me to it. Oh, I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Oh, I want to write the NPC block for Bluto. (laughs) That's actually brilliant.
2: Uh, What I'm interested by with this news is... So the tagline for Strixhaven is Rollicking Campus Adventures for the World's Greatest Role-Playing Game. Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that this book actually follows through with that and gives us some adventures. And the fact that we have these quote-unquote encounter things in here imply that that might actually happen. Um, This book doubles in value to me if it has adventures baked into it. Yeah. And this is this gives me hope in that way. I don't care at all about this relationship thing if it doesn't come along with some adventures.
1: Right? Yeah. I want show me how it works. Yeah. Don't don't just mm. throw it in the rule book and expect me to figure it out because I'm dense.
2: More on or, that later. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: But uh, yes, give me some adventures to highlight your new stuff, uh, whether it's in the book itself or. You have you know some long lost uh, guild adepts working on something mm-hmm. for for when it drops to be released or something that would be great, but um, so these relationships to me are more of a leveled version of the patron rules from Tasha's. It's, it, you You know, it's not, it, they're on your level. They're not, you're not working for them. So it's, but it's going to be very similar. It's like, you know, here's these, these entities, whatever they may be that you're friends with, or might be your, your house rival, you know, whatever. But it's going to give you benefits or story hooks or, or whatever, very much along the lines of, of a patron is, is kind of how I'm seeing it. And if that's not how it is, then I'm I I think I'm gonna kinda of be disappointed. Okay. I, kind of, I like that idea. It's kinda of cool. Yeah. Um
2: I think there's promise here if done well. I think it could be really dumb if if
1: they just kinda of plop it out there.
0: I think like that's drama, what like at. melodrama. Yeah D and D book is what I'm kinda of worried about with this one. Where it's just like, Or
1: mm-hmm. if they shoehorn more wa- ice skating walruses.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah.
1: Ugh gross. Uh well hey uh,
2: is that is that what we needed to talk about with Strixhaven? I think
1: so. I think so. Yeah yeah that was it. So. Just
0: uh you know more of a quick update. Yeah. And kind of uh, we we filled the gap there, uh, the Perfect. knowledge gap.
1: So well then let's let's grab some let's let's uh let's get, grab a refill real quick and uh, come back and talk about our main topic. Let's do it.
2: All right, we are back. We have refilled our drinks in lightning speed. Lightning speed. And uh, we are here with the long-awaited, long-anticipated, long-promised discussion of Matt Colville, MCDM's Kingdoms and Warfare.
0: Oh, boy boy does uh, it look good
2: oh man all right so so let's set this stage mm-hmm. I uh, the PDF just came out like a week ago or so um John has it I have it troy does not have it I do I just haven't had time to okay fair enough peruse. yeah you, you have not you have not perused it so I think what we're gonna be doing is yes our <laughs> our patron saint mm-hmm. Coldwell, um as craig is reminding us um i think what we're going to be doing john and i's responsibility tonight is -hmm. to sell this book to troy Mm -hmm. get me to
1: get me to read this sucker
2: um if those of you listening are not familiar um you you have to be familiar with um MCDM, Matt Colville, at this point, if you've listened to us at all, I think the only thing that I could say is that he had a book before this called Strongholds and Followers, um, which was in his way of commu- saying it, a bunch of his homebrew ideas kind of thrown out there. Mm-hmm. And it had a great, mo- I think that the shining feature of that book was the monster manual and magic items in the back. Um. There were th- other things of interest in it, but, but they really hit a home run with with those two elements. Um, it also included an adventure in that first one. Uh, so now he has followed up Strongholds and Followers with Kingdoms and Warfare. Um, it has a lot of awesome designers on it. We don't have to go through them all, but uh, of prominence are Celeste Conowich, James Picasso, Justice Armand, um, Gabe Hicks. And the adventure that is inside is written by Teos Abadia. Teos
1: of of showering with Sean and Teos fame.
2: A showering with Sean and Teos fame. Sorry, Teos. All right. So Craig is asking. Is saying everybody says it's great, but he's saying, "Will he, he? He's not sure if he'll ever use it. Will we ever use it?" I'm going to say to Craig and to you, Troy. The answer should be yes. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> y- y-
1: yes?
2: John, um, uh, the, the fact that you don't have a video camera is ruining it my is. camaraderie with you right now. Um, I'm with you, man. Simpatico. Solidarity. Yeah. Um, but could is it safe to say, John, at this point, I, I'm of the opinion that some of this book I probably won't ever use. Mm-hmm. But there's a chunk of this book that I'm at least seriously considering injecting into the game. Yes.
0: I think what I'm seeing from this book, one of the best features about it is not only the content, it's the way that it's written the way that, and the way that it's designed. And that specifically is you don't have to use the whole book. That's okay. Right. If there's, There are stuff in here that you... Will likely use if you want to run a game that is more political, has a bit more intrigue and espionage and things like that. You can use the you can use bits of you can use almost in a modular fashion. You can you pull parts out of this book mechanically and incorporate that into your game. There are things that D and D doesn't currently have out there that fills that need uh, to kind of give you some mechanical starting points or kind of like a framework to walk off, uh, work off of this book has that uh, if you want large-scale conflict and you want the full war uh, vibe, then you can pull that part out of this and go. you've also got um, I mean there's like I don't want to go into I don't want to like do the whole thing right but I, I think that's yeah. one of the like in in this first my opening salvo here but I think that's one of the, the strongest parts of this book is the fact that you don't have to do it whole cloth you can do bits and pieces of it out out of it. Yes, I believe that you can and should use parts of this uh, this book.
2: Okay. Troy, uh, do you want to lead, or do you just want to, us to throw things at you? Or
1: Well, uh, actually, I, I pulled it up. Okay. Pulled up my PDF copy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking through some stuff. So we've got domains and intrigue, mm-hmm. core assumptions, what is an organization, founding of an organization, domain size, uh i i like the idea of these or just reading you know, heroic organizations adventuring parties and uh, mercantile guilds religious orders mm-hmm.
0: again a lot of this is like beefing up art uh, aspects of the game that are already kind of there but you get to flesh them out a bit more right so if kingdoms of warfare doesn't have to be at a, a national level it can also be how your party members work better with one another. And so you'll have different types of maneuvers and abilities that your party can, can either create or they, they can, um, they can tack on to their strategies. Well, uh,
2: go ahead. I think that's a good point. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and get my negative out of the way here for, okay. how about that? Um, well, sure. cause I only have one that's like major with this book and I, I think that Colville doesn't fully understand five E intentionality. And I think that Ooh. comes through with this game, with this book, as much as it does his first one.
1: Okay. I think I understand what you're saying. Um and you
0: i thinking think thinking like scale? Like yes, this is this does not feel like that. Like this takes it into an area that is no longer D anD D, and by bolting this on, you are kind of creating a new type of game.
2: Yeah, I think so. So Mm -hmm. so especially in two areas of this book, which are the domains and the warfare rules. um, Anything that gets above the level of the party and into kingdom management and warfare management becomes a different beast especially I think he's done a halfway decent job with domains keeping it within the feel but I followed along with his twitch streams and different things for this warfare development of the rules I have a pretty good grasp on how to do warfare in his system and I think he would say and I will definitely say that you're not playing D&D when you play with the warfare rules Hmm. it's not that it's bad it's, it's actually, I think, arguably fun and good. But I'm not sure design-wise it fits super well with 5D. Okay.
1: Hmm. I, I, uh, I agree with what you're saying because, you know, uh, first edition, second edition, as you would level up, you would automatically attract followers... Especially in first edition um, It was kind of assumed that once you got to a certain level uh, You would want to create your own uh, Fiefdom or wizard college or rogues guild things like that. It was baked into the game It was baked into the levels of your characters But now I would say even even second edition started pulling away from that hardcore. Third edition definitely pulled away from it. Fourth edition, I think there was nothing in it at all. And now Yeah. You know, you have 5E and we don't have it here either. Um I I think it's because, you know, the game is played differently. It's it's a faster game now. It's not it is not a a run and gun mission after mission do some role play mission after mission it was you know you had your downtimes your weeks or your months between yeah. adventures now every time a hardback book comes out you know they say oh you can take your time and you have downtime days and all this stuff that's a that's a load of crap because every day every game day that you're that you're in that campaign you're doing something you're yeah. you're on you're the mission. On. Yeah. There's well, no, I think there's it depends
0: no on because I'll, I'll, look, I'll use I'll use the Frostmaiden stuff as an example for mine. I think you are right in that I the way that the the story flows out that the timeline is tight and you, I don't couldn't find a lot of space in there originally to incorporate downtime, but I I made it work. I put I put in beats where they could have a pause and then said and then thirty days later. What did you do in your thirty days?
1: Right, and and that and again, that's that's the individual yeah. DM putting it in there. But as written, yeah, they don't write adventures like they used to to give you that ability to right. attract I, followers and build. I love struggles.
2: so so. Here's the thing. All right, so I, I want to tie up my negatives. So I'm going to do that with this and kind of pitch a positive. in with it, I love the build up to to the warfare rules. How he's designed this idea of a whole bunch of unique units that are pre-made, like unit, mm-hmm. like like regiments of armies. And you, basically, like, if you have a good diplomacy with the elves, you can get the elven custom unit and blah, 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 blah. And using intrigue and diplomacy politics to, and maybe you going on an adventure for the elven king... Um, all those things to get special units that you can use in warfare, that's cool. Like the fact that you can say, I got this Elven unit or I got these dwarven ram riders because you know I helped them clear out their ancestral home, right? That's cool. Mm-hmm. I just am not sure I'm ever going to want to say, all right, and here's the part of the game where we put down D and D and we play axis versus allies for mm-hmm. four hours
0: no it definitely feels like then you make a good point i think with it i wouldn't i wouldn't go so far as to say that he doesn't understand the like essentially what the scale of D is meant for but i will say that it does definitely feel like you're going into like a mini game mode whenever mm-hmm, you yeah. when you do this yeah well
2: I mean, to, to some capacity. Yeah, a minigame mode so. that, that'll last for a few hours.
0: Y- no, yes. Oh,
2: or, yeah. or sessions. Even.
0: or Yeah, entire sessions. I think, yes, I can see entire sessions being consumed.
2: And, by... and uh, the thing that intimidates me more than anything, and, and I use that word with sincerity, is the fact that I'm going to have to teach all of my players how to use this rule set. For as Colville himself puts it, one session per adventure or per campaign. So I run a whole adventure. It takes us four months. And at the end of it there's one session where we're gonna use these warfare rules. And I've got to teach all my players how to run play these rules just so they can play that one session and then move on. It's not a good time investment for me.
0: Well and I think that's dependent upon the nature of the campaign too. Mm -hmm. It but is, to, yeah. To me, if you if you look at it almost like a like a Game of Thrones type story, where you're going to have skirmishes here and you're going to have battles there, and it could be a, a, that is a a the literal form of a campaign, a campaign of war, where you have multiple battles like that that are decided based on you know um, all the factors that are kind of incorporated yeah. into the into the book. Yes. I mean, I, the, to your point though, you could also have this big culminating. Like, your story culminates into this really big dookaroo battle between X side and Y side, right? And then you only use mm-hmm. it once. I think it depends on how invested you are in having that kind of a campaign as opposed to one big thing that you do at the end.
1: How about this? Because, I, I, I mean, I can see where this style of campaign would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying, like, using the rules, teaching your players how to use these rules yeah. to do all this crazy stuff. But having this grand yeah warfare campaign yeah. would be great yeah and, and okay how about this you 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 play like and craig brings up a good good point war is not the game D D is not a war game it's mm-hmm. a game of individuals and parties yep. doing heroic hopefully heroic yep. and and grand things mm-hmm. so you you keep the campaign doing that in, in have them be some kind of maybe mercenary group that is leading a small band of soldiers and they work their way through the ranks as they gain levels and they, you know, they get to be a trusted part of the king's army or whatever. So while you're doing that, you're taking notes in the background as to what they're doing. You know what the villains are doing. Then you go back between sessions and you yourself as the DM plays it out.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's how I would do it. Rec- you know, the party is the recruiters or the party are the whatever, right? And they're the ones that kind of help the king bolster ranks and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, sabotage the enemy and whatever and and you take into account what they do or don't do in in how the war goes. I absolutely. That's how I
0: would do it. So, if I may, um yeah. one of the, I think one of the things that's important to talk about or maybe discuss is now that I've looked at the book as much as I have Zach, you, Troy, however, mm-hmm. is like if you start noodling over how you would use it, right? Or if you mm-hmm. would use it, what kind like are you Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. are you in the next like several months are you even planning on using this book? Or is it something that's gonna be used well, a year or even two years ahead myself, before I answer my part of it, I'll at least kinda of preface it by saying, I already know exactly how I'm gonna use this book and I will use this book. I don't know I don't I'm not gonna use it from stem to stern, but I'm gonna use Probably extensive portions of this book for the 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 phase two in my Dragonlance campaign. Hundred percent.
1: And that and that fit to me. That fits perfectly because that is a that is a setting of war and strife. Mm. And you know, healing. You could even probably use this in Eberron as well. You know scale the the calendar back a few years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and run those missions like the war is is coming close to an end or even advance the timeline a little bit and maybe you know different skirmishes have erupted again uh, things like that but it, I yeah for forgotten realms mm, yeah mm-hmm. uh, let me let me do this
2: John what if we said if to kind of keep us on track here and, and keep us focused mmm can can we, you and I both pull out the three things that we are, three things that we are very confident are going to make it into our games. Totally. Ooh, okay. I would hear this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, you do you want to start with one or do you want me to start? No, go
0: if you've got your three, go for it. Yeah.
2: Well, I can start, I'll start with one and we can go back and forth if you want. Um, yep, go for it. All right. So here, here's what I'm going to say. There is an introduction to a psionic system in here. Oh. Um, He has a couple of gemstone dragons. Um, One is like a baby, basically, dragon, and one is like an ancient worm. And he sees gemstone dragons as psionic dragons. And so he needed a psionic system to put on those dragons. Now... I am not saying that it's the perfect psionic system, I would have to run it, but I want to run it because it's not just spells. The idea of it, Troy, is that psionic characters, psionic creatures, have a number of charges So if you're Sionix, maybe you have one charge. If you're a weak creature, you can only have one charge. And maybe if you're a big creature, like the big old dragon that they have, maybe you have 35 charges. And you recharge those like 1d12 every round. Okay. And you use those charges to power specific abilities. Um, Okay. So, and a lot of those abilities are going to be things that are reminiscent of spells, but they're not spells. So, as an example, you can use a you can use four charges as an action uh, to see true reality and gain true sight out to 120 feet for an hour. Oh, okay. Um, I don't want to. I won't go through all the little abilities, but there's a whole bunch of like, oh, this one costs one charge. This one costs. Uh, you know, two or it costs six or it costs whatever. Um, or there's you know depends on what you want. There could be a different degrees of charges required. Um, but the fact that we have a pitch for a unique psionic system, I'll find a way to put one of these dragons into a game so I can see if I like it.
1: Right on. I like it. I can. I can. I like the idea of you're you're powering things up with these charges and, and you and they re- regenerate or whatever to it to a degree. I kind of feel like there needs to be a diminishing return. Not having seen the system or know anything about it, I feel like, you know psionics needs to be that's one thing that the magic system is missing, I think. It, you know, you see in movies and in other in other literature magic is taxing it, it wears you down and so that's why you can't rip fireballs constantly all day every day you know it's going to wear you down psionics to me is even more so because it's coming from like the force you know you've seen yoda do things and he's oh and he, he gets winded and tired and has to rest on his cane before he does more backflips and stuff yeah. that's kind of what it, i want to see
2: yeah it the fact that it's only two dragons and there's no other use of psionics means that we don't see the full extent. We have the most psionic of psionic creatures with gemstone dragons being the representative. We don't have an NPC that's use you know, a humanoid that's... So, we'll see. But,
0: I don't know. I mean, that was just a small thing in the book, but I was like,
2: oh, I want to try this.
0: So, it's hard for me to say my three because... I- I'm going to use so much of it, right? So I'll just kind of go top down and I'll start with one thing at a time. Or the
1: first three things that you're going to use, like in, in how, how do you envision that you're going to use the, in your campaign, the first three things. Okay. So
0: first, first of all, if my players and my players do listen to the podcast, if you've gotten this far, you've got probably heard too much. So I'm going to go ahead and, (laughs) but I'm going to say it right now. If you listen to anything after this rocks fall and you die, I swear to God. Right. So Spoiler alert, go away, thank you so much for listening, goodbye. Because I'm going to kind of like, I'm lifting the curtain up here. Uh, what's going to end up happening is whenever they get back, after the Frost Maiden part, right, This Dragons of Eternal Rhyme finishes out, um, the end result of that is going to be that Chamash, the god of undeath, has usurped Takesis's attempt to come into the world, uh, and so she will not be in the world completely like stepping into it, but her shadow will be in Naraka. And so that will be a domain. Is Naraka will be a domain of where uh, Takesis' shadowy seat of power is. Shemash will be coming realm. up from the... Yep, exactly. So an NPC realm. So then Shemash will be coming up from the south from, from Ice Reach. And so that'll be a domain. And then all of the other domains will be the other factions or factional domain like the the, the elves will have a domain the dwarves etc cetera, etc cetera. the Sol- salamnia will have its own domain so there'll be these npc domains and realms that are almost kind of, you know we talked about a little bit before kind of like an axis and allies type thing right where each person each area has a block that ha- that has a defensible position uh, offense defense whatever. Whenever, they, whenever the heroes of the Dragons of Eternal Rhyme, whenever they finish out and they go up, they find out that uh, the heroes of the Lance, they don't know anything about them. But so nobody knows who the heroes of the Lance are because they failed. Oh, uh, and failed. because they all, they, they didn't die. Not all of them died. Some died and some didn't. Some I'm gonna, some I'm gonna bring back from the, from the, the grips of death and some of those books. I'm looking at you, Sturm. Spoiler alert, huh. everybody uh and so some of the so you'll have those here the heroes of the lance will be there but they won't be the heroes of the lance anymore um and that the lances uh fell into the hands of the enemy so there are dark lances that are being utilized in, as part of the war so for me domains are going to be really important to me because there will actually be geopolitical borders that are going where there's going to be conflicts between them and the uh, the players, or the player characters, are almost going to be like a, a rebel, the new Rebel Alliance against mm-hmm. these warring factions of evil that are moving. Uh, because the good thing is about Shimosh and Takis is still kind of like being against one another. Is that in one of the Dragonlancey things is that evil always consumes itself? So they're going to be fighting each other a lot of the time. It's going to give the, the rebels an opportunity to kind of like bolster their forces. But the heroes of the Lance weren't there to uh, to get the, the elves to talk to one another and to, to have them talk to the humans and et cetera, et cetera. So now it's instead the War of the Lance is going to be a different landscape for the heroes to come in and be the new quote unquote heroes of the Lance instead. Okay. So there's a lot. And then, of course, I think warfare will be used. Uh, pe- I'll pepper warfare in because we've talked about that a little bit before, too, where it's kind of like this mini game that I don't want to have an entire session. You know, mm-hmm. it turn into, I don't want it to turn into a slog. That's the one thing that I'm worried about is is warfare becoming a thing that they're really not super invested in. Yeah, uh, they want to be more invested in their character as opposed to leading others into battle. So, well, I'll start with do- the domains. It's like it's all over the place, right? I know it's hard for me to say three, just because <laughs> I'm going to end up using. They're going to interweave so many, uh, so many of them in order to make that work. Uh, heroic organizations, NPC realms. So the warfare mechanics are going to have to be, be in there. domain's intrigue, trying to get the different uh, warring, the good guy factions to talk to one another. Uh, having them do that through um, through communicating with one another as opposed to uh, stabbing each other the way that the bad guys do.
1: Mm. <laughs> OK, wow. I know it's a lot. He's got a plan. So basically what you're saying is you're using everything but Teos's adventure.
0: Yes. Well, well, <laughs> well and I'm not, I don't think that I'll use any of the monsters or the magic items. Maybe. I might use Maybe. a magic item. I'll probably reskin it. Maybe. Who knows? I haven't even gotten that far yet, but I, I essentially have gotten as far as warfare. I haven't read like line by line, but every time I read a new part, I'm like, oh my God, I could totally do that. <gasps> oh, what if I did this? Oh, I <laughs> could do that too. You know, it's like there's so it's reading it is if nothing else has been inspiring me towards like once this one stage in the story is done if whenever they're ready to continue on they've already said that they wanted to continue on past you know whatever the level cap is for you're not going uh, to let them live rhyme. past
2: past eternal rhyme so no,
0: probably not but there are NPCs that they've met along the way that could live and they I could guess, just be those yeah. instead so
2: well i i I'm going to second your inclusion for heroic organizations. Now, I'm not sure which one will take the cake, whether this or patrons from patron organizations from Mm -hmm. Tasha's, right? Um, But here's what I like about this, Troy. Every heroic organization um, gives you um, a power pool, and it gives you specific titles that give you certain benefits. So, let me give let me give you an example. Um, let's find one that's interesting here. It's interesting and exciting.
1: Well, go with Adventuring Party, because we all know what Adventuring Party is. Okay, perfect. Uh,
2: so, with an Adventuring Party, um, you, first and foremost, uh, get a domain title like Captain, Smart Mouth, Know it all, weirdo doc, as in doctor. Um, so like if you' if your domain title one of you're one of the party officers and you have the domain title of doc, you gain proficiency in the medicine skill and proficiency with an herbalism kit. Whenever you take a long rest, you can craft two potions of healing during the rest using the supplies in an herbalism kit. Potions created in this way are effective only consumed within 24 hours of their creation. Okay. So you get this little ability for being tied to your domain. I think that's cool. Um, then follow up that with um, there. You always get two features and a power um, tied to your adventuring party, and you power those with something called a power pool, which is basically a pool of dice that um, all of the party member all the party members have a share in. Um, and you kind of have to agree amongst yourselves who's using what dice when. Um, but here, here, like here, the one for adventuring party, the power for adventuring party is never tell me the odds. When you take an action or a bonus action that forces at least one creature to make a saving throw, you can take a power die from your domain pool and add twice the number on the die to the saving throw DC. You can use this feature after affected creatures have rolled their saving throws, right? So the big bad rolls and succeeds against banishment, right? You could say, mm-hmm. "Oh, he only failed by one." I'm gonna or two. I'm gonna grab a dice from the power pool, which I think they start out as D fours, and I'm gonna roll a D four. And if as long as I get a two or better, um, he fails instead. That's a dice that nobody else gets access to, and we can't use later. But um, I think that that's fun to have a
1: shared
0: resource like that. For your party,
1: that's kind of cool, and yeah, it levels and
0: it's one up of those your things where board. you do not have to ask for permission to pull to draw from the dice pool. So you could have a, it's one of those things where on your turn you could utilize it with or without yeah. permission, right?
2: Yeah. And there is also uh, as a quick note, um, every adventuring party isn't going to be the same. There are um, different. Uh, uh, um, what are they called? Specializations. So, like, is your specialization a group of disorganized misfits and explorers society, or a mercenary company? And those give you special things as well. Um, those those kind of help you get your uh, features, I believe. Okay. But I love I love the idea of it. I'm sure that I'll either use that or Tasha's stuff because I like. It helps bring that party unity together, right? And
0: mm-hmm. well, I would. Say I like. I just like the, the idea of. I like. I love actually. I love the idea of. The longer that a party works together, their tactics become tighter. They become. They create their own strat. It's like the X Men, right? Colossus and Wolverine fastball special, mm-hmm. like that. Like they work in tandem so well with one another that there's a mechanical benefit that's applied to. Their their ongoing improvement as a team, right? Like I when I ran a an all dwarf campaign, surprise, and huh. the uh, one of the ben- they gained benefits from working like dwarven fighting or like dwarven fighting styles and tactics that dwarves would use to work really really well with one another. So as they leveled up, then I would give them extra little like side actions that they could do with one another. This is really hmm. similar to that.
2: Um, okay. So, the last thing that I'll mention... Oh boy. Alright, so since I've already talked about the dragons, I won't talk about the monsters. I always think Colville does a great job with monsters. There's not a ton. There's... Okay, so I say that. There's like 50 pages of monsters in this book. So, there's quite a few. Um, and he has the divided into his courts. Uh, and I do like that. Lots of new demons, lots of new undead, I think. Um, but... The thing that i'll talk about instead is the magic items um and especially i think the thing that really excelled in his first book that he brought back over for this one are his idea of codices and i could say that i'm going to use these because i already have oh all right um so if you haven't looked at these before troy or or chat um codices are like Artifact level books or book-like objects that are magic items with the dial turned up to eleven. Okay. They typically do can do world-shattering things, Ooh. Uh, or massive like godlike things. So. Um, as an example, um, just this first one here, um, it's called the Astral Codex. Um, you can cast the Gate spell, um, and to, specifically to the World Below, which I think is kind of like his version of the Underdark, but more sinister. Um, and as part of that, you can summon a special unit of drought called the Gloaming Fang. Um... In addition, um, uh, when you attune to the Astral Codex, you gain—you uh, can commute telepathically with creatures you can see within 120 feet. Uh, as a bonus action, when you gaze upon a creature, you know their Intelligence, Wisdom, and Charisma scores. You can cast the spell Detect Thoughts at will, and saving throws made against this spell automatically fail. Um... You're also considered to be permanently under the spell effect of the mind blank spell, but you can choose to pause any of its effects. If a creature you can see targets you with a spell or ability that is blocked by this power, you can use a reaction to cause that creature's head to explode. If the creature has no head, wherever its brain is located, explodes instead. If the creature has no brain, nothing happens. Also, um, you can basically do a lore test, which is tied to their um, uh, his domain and intrigue rules, And it's a super easy um, test, and you get cool lore bits from that. Also, you get access to something called the Void Between the Stars, which is basically a pocket dimension that sits outside of time completely. And anything that's put in there becomes as if it never existed in time. Cool. So, and and anything can be put there of any size, but only three things. Um, So, you could put... Tarasque in there as an example or a full city could be tucked within the uh the void between the stars you might stumble across this codice with both the tarrasque and a city already tucked between that veil well um
1: there was a city
2: yeah there was a city <laughs> exactly um there then in addition to that um you gain uh proficiency with any weapons and armor made of star metal and it allows you to craft gear made from star metal, and um, it shows you what types of gear you could make, including armor, um, like a set of plate armor that does not impose disadvantage on dexterity stealth checks. Any critical hits become regular hits, and you're shielded continuously as if you were wearing an amulet of proof against detection and location, and or a weapon called an imminent blade which treats every target's AC as if it were 10 plus the creature's dexterity modifier. Ooh. So all of that is one item.
1: That sounds it, pretty crazy.
2: It's pretty crazy. Um, obviously, approach with caution, right? Um, but I have used one of these as a... It's, it's great as like an end of game or end of adventure, like questing sort of thing to, mm-hmm. you know, get this book for an order or whatnot. It's also a great like, oh, shit, we have this thing that everybody wants. And now everybody's, you know, all of these guilds or collectors or whoever are coming for us. Um and there are nine of these different codices in this book alone. And I think there are like six or seven in the first book.
1: Mm hmm. This almost, you, you could, you could like reflavor this one that you talked about uh, for the Dragonlance thing. In the, and it's what uh, teaches you how to cre- craft dragon lances in case. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I forgot his name.
0: Theros <laughs> Ironfield?
1: Yeah. Bobby. Yep. Bobby, Bobby, in case Bobby Bobby, <laughs> Bobby, has, Bobby. was killed mm-hmm. in your version of of the story, and they have to uh, seek out uh, how to forge what in here is a star metal, yeah,
0: lance, yeah. Well, that's the great thing about this, right? Like, I'm I'm just looking, even if you just look at the the table of contents on this thing, you look at heroic organizations, martial regiment, Knights of the Lance, or uh, Knights of Salamnia. Mystic Circle, the the Tower of High Sorcery, Noble Court, the the, uh, the or the uh, the uh, Merchant Guild. That's Calamshan, uh, Noble Courts, uh, Palanthus, The religious order could be the Holy Order of the Stars. NPC Realms. You got your Dwarven Thanedom and, and uh, Thorbarden, and Calthax. You got um, Nomas Kingdom. Oh my God! You got that. Uh, the, the Mount Nevermind Becomes a, a military power. God help us all. Oh. Um, yeah. So there's like, you, there's like just even whenever I just looked at the table of contents, I was like, oh man, I could totally plug that in here and do this with that thing there. And then they've got, he's got a really good I, I one of the things I think I really appreciate about his writing is how conversational it is, uh, which makes it a little bit easier for me to just like start reading and it's not like a slog, like a rules slog. Um, and so I, I just read it, like reading a book. And it's, it's very conversational, and very easy to read in that respect. And as a result, a lot of the stuff where he's he's going over the, the nuts and bolts of how to create your own stuff, that makes it a little bit easier to digest for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but if, like I said, Again, though, I, I think the the biggest strength of the book itself is its modularity, for me at least. Going into this, if you want to add some you know, some neato tactics to your, your adventuring party to where, like I said, you got the all dwarf adventuring party. And if you got an all dwarf adventuring party, maybe they have some neat, you know, stuff that they do. That's, that's awesome tactical stuff. Well, then you can, that's where the dice pool kind of stuff comes in, where you can have party specific powers, abilities, and traits and things like that. That kind of, that sets them apart from the average adventuring party. Um, I think there's just a lot in here that's modular, yeah. uh, and I haven't even touched the the adventure yet. Sorry, yeah. Teos, part two, part two. I'm, the, I'm getting to d-
2: it. Well, 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 I think the only thing that we'll say with 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 the adventure is that it is showcases how to use the domain rules and the warfare rules and the blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Right. So yeah. this is what this is what we want, right? Like, show that's us how exactly to do the right. thing that you've been talking about. So. Um, Uh, it it serves a purpose even if you were just to read through it as a dm and not ever play it or run it it serves its purpose in showing you how to do this thing Mm -hmm. so um i I guess i guess quickly i would note for people out there that it doesn't have a lot of player options like it doesn't have any new classes or subclasses or backgrounds Mm -hmm. or like it's not that sort of a book um so keep that in mind when you're uh, when you're considering it, it's not a book for players. I would argue it's a book for DMs to sort through and find things for their players. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's.
1: It, I don't see anything that a player would would uh, need to tinker I around mean, with in here. Other, they the might love to, to look at like,
2: yeah, they might. Hero heroic organizations, they might want to like look through if they're starting a campaign and they want to decide what sort of heroic organization do we want to be. Like, I could see that being fun, but that's that's a one time well, thing. Right? I
1: kind of, I almost kind of feel like that that is still in the DM's purview because that would be like a session zero type thing. It's like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to start a new campaign. I got this really cool idea, and when you make up your characters, just keep in mind. You're all part of the same religious You could world.
2: definitely do it that way, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or you're, I you're could a, a world Mercantile Guild. Yeah, yeah.
2: I could see a world though, right, where you said, Hey, we're gonna play Storm King's Thunder, here's the pitch of that campaign. Pick a heroic organization that you want to run through that campaign as. Right? Mm. And then I could reflavor whatever so if you said, Oh, we want to be underworld syndicates, going that would through be interesting. Storm King's Thunder, right? That's a whole new flavor and that could be really fun. Um, okay. Why is this criminal syndicate going to that? Well, we know why, right? Because we know who's in control of Nightstone, and maybe you're in competition with those people. Right? So now it all takes on a whole different atmosphere or maybe you're part of that organization, right?
1: Oh yeah. That's even better. Right. Right. And you don't Uh, know what's, what's actually going on yet and you get put on the trail yeah oh that changes that changes so much right in that that adventure alone i mean
2: oh yeah that's what i'm saying right it's like i wouldn't i wouldn't be opposed to the party choosing what organization they wanted and then me
1: having to kind of yeah but but again i would just give them the list i would oh you you don't get to look i don't you don't get to pick (laughs) Be based on what you get,
2: yeah. Now the fact that each one of those divides into three means that you might need to see at least that th- that branch of three um, when, because when it's necessary, yeah, when necessary. Because um, like uh, Underworld Syndicate divides down into, and this is getting back into Italy, but it divides back down into an Assassin's College, a Spy Network, or a Thieves Guild. You pick one of those. Um, And I think it would be, I think it would be a spy network would be the closest fit there. I think so. Uh, But yeah. Uh, Well, hey, hopefully we have piqued some interest in folks into Kingdoms and Warfare. I think it's a great book. Um, I think it's a must buy.
1: It looks amazing.
2: Just as a visual book, it's a must buy. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you like things that will inspire you, I think it's a must-buy. Um, those are, those are the reasons that you should get it. Um, so, John, anything else we need to add here?
0: Uh, no, I think we covered it. I think there's, um, get the book and read it. So you're gonna find yeah. something in there that you like. Yeah, it's well formatted. It's gorgeous. More than enough eye candy in there to keep you, if nothing else, just from the perspective of, just from an inspirational type thing, you it may change your. You may never have wanted to do, like a political, like geopolitical or a, like an esp- espionage, type game before. This may change your mind. There's there's a lot in here. Outside of just, it isn't just, you know, like a hundred people on one side and a hundred people on the other side and roll some dice and let's see how it resolves. There's way, way, way more to it than that. Like the different defenses that each of the domains have are, are not just physiological defenses. These are defenses that are based on um, diplomacy, espionage, lore, their operations or the different skills that they've got. The defenses are things like communication, resolve, and resources, et cetera. So, there's it's not, I think the other good thing about this is it's, it is very tactical and very nuts and boltsy. But at mm-hmm. the same time, uh, when it comes to like how tactical it is, but at the same time, there's so much room just from this book to make some really, really awesome role playing opportunities from it. Yeah. Kind of springboards into really op- awesome role play opportunities.
1: So, the adventure is almost 100 pages.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: All right.
2: Well, hey, uh, I think that'll do it for this episode. Um, if you enjoyed it, uh, I would encourage you to uh, subscribe to the podcast. Hey, yes. that's important. Um, if you're listening to this and you haven't hit the subscribe button, um, you might be you might be in good company if we're if we're being honest, <laughs> based, on, based on the start of our episode. Yeah, um, yeah. uh, but we would appreciate it. That's that's yeah, and that's share it really with it. some people. Share it, review let it is a big deal. Um, leave a review, especially on iTunes. That's a big deal. Um, if you're not on a podcast, if you're on Twitch or 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 you know you just like listening to it. Um, Every once in a while, and you don't really want to subscribe, you don't have an app or anything. Uh, head on over to our Facebook page and uh, give us a like and a follow and and whatnot. There, you can also chat with us on Facebook and on Discord
1: and on Discord
2: about uh, this episode and whatever else you want to talk about in the RPG world. Uh, Troy has been cleaning up the Discord, making it all pretty, um, and we've had some good discussions there about different RPGs that we've been enjoying. Um, some of us have been showing off some of our uh, gaming, gaming collections. Stuff, yeah. um, there's a lot of good little chatter going on there. And uh, it's a nice way to, to. Uh, I use it as my, um, I want five minutes of just enjoyable chatter that's not, you know, uh, decision making. In the midst of my workday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to just be able to turn to it and say, like, "Oh, what, what is, what is easy, what is easy chat uh, fodder here?" Oh, somebody's talking about alien. That's awesome. I want to talk about
0: alien, um, or whatever it is. So,
1: right on, right on. You know
0: what? If if that doesn't sell it for you, I want to see your your setup. Show us your stuff. That's one of my favorite channels right now. Is uh, showing yeah. every the the different loot and uh, like the game rooms and your like uh, your play space and the stuff that you just picked up. If you got something new, I, I want to see what that looks like. If you picked up, um, if you grab, if you got picked something up from a Kickstarter that we recommended, you know, show us the book. Oh Show yeah, us definitely. something that you, you did from that's, it. That's awesome.
2: That's the thing that I devour. Is when somebody takes a picture of their stuff and is like, "Look what I just bought." I'm like, Ooh, "Oh yeah." Tell yep. me more um uh can you give us an early note as to possible table times for virtual weekends on the discord yes we will try to do that absolutely um when we know uh when we're going to be running games we will post those onto discord along with Mm -hmm. facebook yep um that's a great great suggestion definitely see that through also when we get we should be posting our confirmed uh schedules for in-person cons on there as well so you can come yeah and And we should do some hang i'm sure we'll do some hangouts yeah and uh when we're at the cons and say you know hey come have a drink with us at such and such a place
1: Yep. Yep.
2: yeah john won't be there but um
0: (sighs) we'll we'll pour one out for one Uh, for one
1: yeah,
2: the
0: the one, unfortunately, the one, <laughs> the one, <laughs> but uh, well.
2: all right. Well, hey, uh, there's a lot of places where you can go and chat with us, um, or you can come right back here this Sunday,
0: this Sunday at nine
2: o'clock Central, ten o'clock that, Eastern.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. For We're, something. Something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Something. That you something might be not different. all. Yeah, you might be a little used to it, but it's in a different form.
2: Yeah, let me say Oh this. yeah, videos, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I think that Sunday, if you come, not only will we do something special on Sunday that is familiar to you, but special, we will also talk a little bit about other things that are going to happen.
0: Oh, are we gonna, we're going to, we are
2: going to spilling some bit. of the beans? A
1: little bit. Just a little teasers. teasers. A little teasers. teasers.
2: Teasers. That's right. Uh, so this this so this Sunday is must see (laughs) T (laughs) V.
1: Must see okay. Yeah. Must see Twitch Twitch T V. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. that's that's a level that we're going for here. So Must see TV. Get on get on the Twitch, nine o'clock central. 10 o'clock eastern and and hang out with us so. that's right all right craig uh rt joseph the span bot and anyone else <laughs> that's hanging out in chat girk Girk's in girk there. uh Earthwords. appreciate y'all hanging out and uh we'll see you on sunday
1: yes yes y'all have a great great week and uh, have great games Take care of yourselves and uh, be safe out there. Seriously, mask up. Get your vaccines. Don't
0: be a jerk. (laughs) All right, that's it.